This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. Relic Radio Show. Thanks for joining me this Tuesday for another hour of radio drama. Our first show this week comes from Pete Kelly's Blues. We'll hear Dr. Jonathan Budd and the Dutchman, his story from September 19th, 1951. After that, it's Box 13 and Dan and the Wonderful Lamp. That episode aired March 27th, 1949. This one's about Pete Kelly. <laughs> It's about the world that goes around him. It's about the big music and the big trouble and the big twenties. So when they ask you, tell them this one's about the blues. Pete Kelly's blues. Jack Webb, with story by Joe Eisenberg and music by Dick Kempner. My name's Pete Kelly. I play cornet. You'll find us at 417 Cherry Street, Kansas City. It's a standard speakeasy. The whiskey matches the color of your money. It's a fairly quiet crib. Never any real serious trouble. The competing torpedoes in town regarded as a sort of a neutral zone, a place to meet and maybe talk things over before going to the gun. The Switzerland of Kansas City. The lease is owned by George Lupo. He's a fat, friendly little guy who has only two things in his life, dollars and cents. We start grinding every night at about 10 and we play till the cash register tape gives out. But that's all right with us. He lets us play the kind of music we like and pays off with a smile. Sometimes we even managed to get a few bucks. The last night we were dragging through the lull hour of the first set when the distinguished old guy came in. I'd seen him in the place many times before, always with the Dutchman and two or three of the Dutchman's guns. He'd sit at their table, letting their whispers float around his gray hair, never taking part, just sit quiet, gaining slowly on the open bottle in front of him, staring at a point that probably didn't exist. This was the first time I'd seen him without the Dutchman. He started to sit at the usual place, hesitated, Looked around the half-filled room. Took the small table in the corner near the bar. He smiled up at me as he poured his first drink. There was nobody behind it. We went into the wind-up. Man. We sure drag heel tonight. What's up next, Pete? Nothing. My lips are off. Let's get off for a while. You burn that lip at both ends, Petey. Slow down. You want a beer at the bar, Red? No, thanks, Petey. I'll catch me a hunk of fresh air in the alley. All right. On your way out, throw some nickels in the pianola, will you? All right. See you later. Yeah. Yeah? 
Forgive me, I spoke quite on impulse. I find myself the sudden victim of an overwhelming desire for companionship. Yeah, so you're alone tonight. I'm alone every night. Well, please sit down, if only for a minute. All right. Oh, thank you. What will you drink? Oh, a little of that ginger ale will do fine. You expecting your friends? That's the one thing I can count on tonight, the arrival of my friend. I should like to compliment you, Mr. Kelly. On what? Your music. I must confess, I don't really understand it, but I do understand and recognize one thing, faith. You play your cornet as though you believe in Thanks. That is a priceless thing, Mr. Kelly. Faith and the belief in something. Never lose it, sir. Because when you do, you're lost yourself. Yeah. Well, uh, I... No, please. Just sit another small minute. All right. I lied to you, Mr. Kelly. I told you I wanted companionship. No. What I really want is an audience. There are so many things I want to say and so little time left in which to say. It sounds like you're about to get married. Have another drink, huh? You think I'm drunk, don't you? Well, you're right. I am. But not on whiskey. Yeah. You're scared, aren't you? In here, in my heart, expending enough energy to power a modest side tent. What are you afraid of? All evening I've been asking myself that same question. What am I afraid of? Surely it can't be the loss of life. And yet... You're sick? With a disease for which neither man nor magician has yet been able to effect a cure. The wrath of a killer. You're a target, is that it? I, as you so graphically put it, am the target. A Dutchman? A Dutchman. Look, I don't make this. Right now, you should be two yards the other side of Baffin Bay. Streets aligned with the Dutchman's gun. But you gotta make a pass at it. You can't just say, okay, here's my head with a 50-cent cigar in it. Don't you want to live? I thought not. My adrenals refused to concur. Look, isn't there somebody to help get you out of town? A friend? I have no friend. Except the Dutchman. The law? Yeah. Now, look, I gotta get back up there. Take this key. Hotel George, around the corner. Go up to my room. There's no reason for him to look for you up there. We'll think of something. Do you think so? Do you really think so? Now, look, we're gonna try. If we can't, we'll need two 50 cent cigars. Now, go on. E? Yeah, Red. What's the matter with the senator? Nothing a thousand miles won't cure. All right. Let's do goose pebbles. All right, everybody ready? Thank you. 
Red, take over. I'm going to duck out for a while. What's wrong, Petey? My lip. I'm starting to limp. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. Mr. Kelly? Which Mr. Kelly? How many Mr. Kellys you got in this crib? Never mind, Jamie. Huh? You asked the punk nice, is he, Mr. Kelly, so he gives you with a snotty witch, Mr. Kelly. All right, Jamie. Please forgive Jamie. He hasn't had much sleep lately. Yeah, well, you wake him up and tell him there's another Kelly. Bob Kelly works downstairs in the plant. Maybe he's the boy you want. No, we're looking for Pete Kelly. Yeah? Yes, Pete Kelly. No, not Bob Kelly. Not Bob Kelly, Pete Kelly. Yeah. Well, I'm Pete Kelly. I'm Pete Kelly. We'd like to talk to you for a minute. Sure. Outside. Outside? Just in the alley. Private. Yeah, well, I'd like to oblige you, but you see, friend, I got a job to do here. Outside. All right, Jay. Mr. Kelly, understand. Yeah. I'll be right back, Red. Yeah. Smoke, Mr. Kelly? Yeah, thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. You like my brand? Your brand? Gold tip, you like it? Yeah, sure. I never smoke anything else. There was an elderly gentleman inside this evening. He also smoked some. Did you smoke one of his? Elderly gentleman? Yes, about 55. My height, gray hair, blue eyes. He sat at your table. He had a nice drink with him. You smoked a cigarette of his. Sorry, I haven't seen anybody all night. All right, Terry, let's get to it. Stop with the circle talk. Easy. We got the rumble you was talking to. Well, you're wrong. Well, you... All right. Go on, me. That's enough. All right. Now, you listen, Junior. The next time you push your hands on me, you walk away without them. You deserve that, Jamie. You have to learn when to and when not to. Jamie's young, Mr. Kelly. He thinks he has to make his reputation in one night. Can he be friendly? Can he be nice? Can he be honest? Why can't he tell us the truth and let us go about our business? That's fair enough. Isn't that fair enough, Mr. Kelly? Isn't Jamie right this time? Yeah, sure. Seems to me he's being fair. Seems to me he's right this time. I'm always fair. I just ask for cooperation. That's it. That's all. That's all we ask. Just cooperation. And, mister, you're going to cooperate. I'm a surplus, mister. This gun's been to France and back. What do you want? Small hunk of truth. You sat and talked to this gentleman? You see? He ain't going to cooperate. Yeah, I talked to him. What about? Listen, Matt. What's this and what's that? Music? What else? Horses? What else? Women? What else? That's all. You're lying. Terry says you're lying. He knows it's his business and all. Music? Yes. Horses and women? No, not him. You're lying. He was drunk. How drunk? Drunk enough to talk about horses and women? What's his name? He didn't say. Where's he now? I don't know. You saw him go? I left him at the table. All right. That's it, Terry? For now. Mr. Kelly says he doesn't know where he is. Maybe he's telling the truth. You got it all. But if you're lying, Jamie's going to come back and see you alone. 
Well, I didn't need Einstein to figure it out for me. They were a couple of the Dutchman's guns. The spider of one old party. Method burned down anybody in the way. And from here on in, they'd cuddle closer to me than a baby kangaroo to its mother. Well, I had to get that old party out of my room fast. I told Red to keep the boys working, and I went on the prowl for Barney Ricketts. Barney's an ex-bootlegger. He went broke in 1922. Nobody's been able to figure out how a bootlegger could go broke in 1922, and Barney refuses to tell the secret of his failure. He did it the hard way, and he wasn't going to make it easy for anybody else. He wasn't at Sour Sammy's joint. He hadn't shown at Papa Pastor's, and I was starting to worry when I caught up with him at Joe Donegan's over on 12th Street. As usual, he's... Pete Kelly, the Kansas City Gabriel. Listen, Barney, I need a favor. Without evasion, Petey, I tell you right out that your arrival is ill-timed. A major league favor. I was just about to pour a potion, and now I'm forced to ask you to share it with me. No, Barney, look, there's no time. That's your trouble, Petey. No true understanding of the meaning of time. Do you know what time in the life of one man really is? I mean, the nature of it and its function. Yeah, I know all about it. Now, listen, Barney, Of course you don't, and it isn't many men who will so frankly confess their ignorance. That's what I admire most about you, Petey. Your honesty in admitting to your abundant ignorance. All right, Barney. No, no, you mustn't be disheartened. The very fact that you know that you don't know is a hopeful sign. It means that you are ready to learn, and I will be your guide, counselor, and teacher. Yeah. Now well. then, take time. All right. And to properly understand the true nature of time, you must take time to understand it. Regard time as a valise. To each man at birth, such a valise is given, some large, some small, according to his destiny. That is the one thing which he cannot really choose, the size of the valise which we call time. You all through now? Yes, sir. Uh, what are we going to put into your valise this time? Maybe a hunk of hope for a guy who needs it. What's his problem? He was sitting in 417. I talked to him. A mobster? No, educated, cultured, gentle. I see. A dangerous man. No, he was lost, Barney. Lost and frightened. The kind of fright that freezes you when you're on the other side of a gun. I see. Who fingered him? The Dutchman. The Dutchman? That's right. Tell me, uh, is he about 55, gray-haired, blue eyes? That's right. And you don't know who he is? No, he didn't say. Well, Peter, you're right and you're wrong. He's educated, cultured, gentle. But you're wrong about helping him. Nothing you or anyone else can do can stretch his beliefs. Why not? Because the Dutchman says no. That's all. Well, who is he? Dr. Jonathan Budd. An excellent surgeon and general practitioner. But what's he got to do with the Dutchman? For the last two years, he's been under exclusive contract to the Dutchman. Sort of company medic for the Dutchman's torpedoes. On call, 24 hours a day. Remove an appendix or a bullet, as the circumstances may require. I don't make it, Barney. A man like that. Why would the Dutchman want to send him over? I don't know, Petey, and I don't want to know. Go back to Lupo's. Pick up your horn and forget all about Dr. Bud. I can't do it. Keep me, Petey. The Dutchman says drop dead, he'll drop dead. Don't be near him when he falls. Don't get into this, Petey. I'm already in, Barney. I sent him up to my room. You didn't. He's there now, waiting for me. Get him out of there. I had to help him, Barney. You can't just stand by and send him into the street to be cut down. A man has to have somebody to worry about him, somebody to help him. Get him out of there. I can't. Why not? I'm being watched. By the gun? Yeah. You sure? They got the buzz I was sitting with them. They're keeping a string on me. Pity, pity, you fool. How long do you think it'll be before they get into your room? That's why I came to you, Barney. No, no, Pete, not this time. Not where the dust... Look, they're on my back, Barney. I'll draw the guns off. Back to Lupo's. You get him out, Barney. You can do it. And what do I do with him once I got him? Ask him what he'll charge to cut you out of my life? 
Take him to the other side of the river, over to Fat Annie's. Tell Maggie Jackson. She can fold him into the shed out back. He'll be safe there. Fine. He can make a new life for himself in Fat Annie's shed. I'll think of something. I'll shake the guns after I get back to 417. And I'll think of something. You do that, Pete, because if you don't, you'll be dragging up full release before morning. Well, I scuttled back through the streets, back to 417 Cherry. The guns were right behind me. My valise was getting fuller and heavier by the minute, and I knew I'd added a few pounds to Barney's. But that's the way it is. A guy drifts into your life, holds out a finger for help, and you take hold, and you're near to drifting out of it with him. But what can you do? You gotta take hold, or you don't sleep so good anymore. Well, Lupo glared at me with his what-am-I-paying-you-for glare as I ducked into the joint. I started for the bandstand, and I didn't get past the bar. Mr. Kelly? Yeah? I've been waiting for you. Yeah? Could we... Could I talk to you? Oh, go ahead. I'm listening. Someplace alone? What about? It's about my... My name's Mary Bud. Oh, come on. Behind the bandstand. Thank you. Go, Petey. You folks just docked us another thing. All right. I... I was told you saw my... Saw who? My father. Lots of fathers come in here. Who's yours? Dr. Bud. Dr. Jonathan Bud. You drive a car? Yes. Your license with you? Yes. Let me see it. Thanks. All right. Now pay attention. Your father's in trouble. The big trouble. Why? What's happened? The Dutchman took a dislike to him. Who's the Dutchman? You don't know? My father never told me anything. Well, you're a big girl now. The Dutchman's a man with a gun. He's pointing it at your father. All right. Now hold on. Maybe we can... Why would anybody want to kill my father? I don't know. He's never hurt anybody in his life. Why would this man... Look, lady, I got no answers for you. Maybe if we could find out why... Maybe we could... Are you sure you have no idea? All I know is the Dutchman said drop dead. There's no court of appeals for that. Yes. I understand now. But we still got a chance. It's skinny, but it's there. Where's my father now? He's being taken across the river. Fat Annie's place. Boulder Road. Is your car out front? No, I live downtown. Good. Go get it. Make sure you're not tailed. Go to Fat Annie's. See Maggie Jackson. I'll try to shake the Dutchman's guns after the next number. But if I can't get over to Fat Annie's, you collect your father out of that shed and back, hit the highway north on the Kansas side. And you got it? I... I'll never forget you for this, Mr. Kelly. Yeah, sure. All right, all right, let's settle down. Settle down, huh? What's up? Newlyweds in from St. Joe been asking for a cornet solo for an hour. All right, what do you think? Well, how about pigeon toe Jode? Oh, my lip and you ask for that? All right. All right, pigeon toe Jode. Got it? All right. I'll give you the pickup.
Well, that's all for me tonight, Brad. Well, let me see that. Huh? Yeah, you ain't fooling. Your lips bleeding. We'll do the next set without me, huh? Oh, man, that Lupo, he's sure making the D-Ducks tonight. Where's the Erskine Park, Red? Around on 10th Street. You better put the top up. Looks like rain. Yeah, all right. How long are you going to be gone? Huh? I said, how long are you going to be gone? Depends on how much room is left in my valise. Well, I left the stand and headed for the men's room just like nothing was happening. I bolted the door behind me, crawled out through the small window, dropped into the alley, and lit out for 10th Street over fences and through backyards. Red's Erskine was right where it ought to be. I slammed over to 12th, rattled across the bridge, jolted down Boulder Road to Fat Annie's place. Halfway there, it started to rain. Inside Fat Annie's, business was slow. There was nobody there. Maggie Jackson was making for a piano when I got inside. Hi, Pete. I'm glad you got here. We got a tenant in shed out back. Yeah? Yeah, with a short-term lease. Just a minute, Pete. All right, Ray. I ain't going nowhere, ain't seeing no one, no how, cause love and I are parting that now, I'm on good behavior. So, honey, savior, hello. In answer to your passion, the last is no. I've been somewhere, seeing someone most every day of my sad life. I'm gonna trade in my mad life for something slow and safe. And so, I ain't going nowhere, ain't gonna wrinkle my brow, cause love and I are parting that now. That was nice, Ray. Place is really good tonight. Yeah, business is bad all over. Look, Maggie, how about the guy in the shed? Is he all right? He ain't bleeding none yet. Where's Barney? He just dropped the package like it was hot chitlins and dusted. The girl get here yet? What girl's that? The tenant's daughter. No girl showed up, Pete. Well, the minute she shows Maggie, send her outside, will you? You going to the shed, Pete? Yeah. Best to go through the kitchen, straight out the back. Sure, thanks, Maggie. Sure. Good luck. <laughs> Doc, it's Kelly. Pete Kelly, Doc. Come in. You all right, Doc? Yes. The roof leaks and I've run out of a cigarette. Sure. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'll give you a light. That's good. Yeah, now, look, I think we're home safe. I'm getting you out of here. Tell me, why do you bother? What? I said, why do you bother? Look, Doc, don't confuse me. You're an anachronism, Mr. Kelly. A moral man and the immoral junk. Now, look, I talked to your daughter. She'll be here soon. You talk to my daughter? Yeah, that's right. She's coming to pick you up. Small girl, red hair, blue eyes? Yeah. Mr. Kelly, I have no daughter. You don't? You talk to the Dutchman smile. Yeah, but the license, her driving license. She showed me her driving license. Sure, she did. I believed her. It's an excellent actress. And you told her where I am. And she asked you anything else. 
what you might know about the Dutchman and me. Well, she asked. I knew nothing. You're sure? You're sure you told her you know absolutely nothing? Yeah, that's right. Then you're safe. You'll be all right. They'll forgive you for trying to help me. You finally did tell them where to find me, and for that, they forgive you. All right, come on. Now, let's get out of here. Let's get going. No, Mr. Kelly. You'd better go quickly. Oh, I got a car. We'll make a run for it. No. But they'll be here any minute. And I'll be waiting for them. No use to run anymore. Yeah. In some strange way, I've begun to realize that I'll welcome their arrival. But I don't want to escape. You see, it's impossible for a man to escape from himself. I am nothing more than the works I have done. It is those works which decide the ultimate fate of a man. Mine, and rightly so, are about to kill me. No, we cannot escape from what we have made of ourselves. Yeah, but look, you can start all over again. There have been others like this before. They ran, took the chance, and ran. Strange. Things taught me in my youth. Things unremembered for years. My freshman days at school... And the words of Socrates when Crito urged him to delay the drinking of the hemlock as others before him had delayed. Yes, Crito, and they of whom you speak are right in so acting, for they think that they will be gainers by the delay. But I am right in not following their example, for I do not think that I should gain anything by drinking the poison a little later. I should only be ridiculous in my own eyes for sparing and saving a life which is already forfeit. Please, then, to do as I say, and not to refuse me. And so, I ask you, Mr. Kelly, refuse me. Go now, please, for your sake. I'm all right. You're not all right. They're going to kill you. Don't you understand that? I understand. Yeah. Sure you do. There's nothing more I can do? Nothing. Except perhaps a cigarette. Sure. Take the pack. No. Two will do. Yeah. Goodbye, Kelly. Goodbye, Doc. Kelly. Yeah. Please leave the door open. Yeah. on NBC. Box 13, with the star of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday.
All right, then that'll do it. Take it out of the typewriter. Now address an envelope to Box 13, care of Star Times. <laughs> you know, this Box 13 is made for us. The letter was typewritten. There was no signature, and it read, Enclosed is an invitation to the Garden Charity Bazaar at the Arthur Mannering Estate this coming Thursday. Use it, and maybe you'll get adventure. Anyway, take a chance. And wear a red carnation in your lapel. That was all. Four lines. But, brother, what was in between the lines that I couldn't read then? And now, back to Box 13 and Dan Holliday's newest adventure, Dan and the Wonderful Lamp. Could you find it at a charity bazaar, Mr. Holliday? That, Susie, is why the letter interests me. Sounds dull. Mm. Some of the dullest letters I get through Box 13 have led to some of the biggest headaches. Mm. But fun. It was probably written by some huckster. A what? Huckster. Uh-huh. That's what I thought you said. I did. I know you did. Was it wrong? Could it be right? A huckster is a person who plays jokes. Oh, could you have meant hoaxer? You know what I meant. Takes a little while, but I get there. And I think I'll go to the charity bazaar. So, the next day I went to the charity bazaar. The Mannering estate was huge. And why not? Arthur Mannering had $5,000 for every blade of grass in the place. And it was a big lawn. There were lots of people, lots of money, and lots of places to spend it. I wandered through wondering what the gimmick was. Why I'd been asked what the adventure was going to be. No one paid any attention to me. No one paid any attention to anyone. Then, after about a half hour of aimless meandering, I just happened to stick my hand in my jacket pocket and pulled out a note. It read, Go to booth number five. Guess the number of beans in the jar as 1,862. That was all. Somebody had put that note in my pocket. Easy to do in that crowd. Well, the adventure that looked as though it wouldn't amount to anything was amounting to a jar of beans. Hello there. Oh, hello. This is booth number five, isn't it? That's right. Do you want to make a guess? Yes, I think so. It's five dollars a guess. Make as many as you want. Oh, five dollars a guess? <laughs> it's for a good cause. And if I guess right, I win the beans. When it's all over, we'd be glad to give them to you. But you also win a prize. Hmm. All right, what do I do? Here's a slip of paper. Just write your guess on it with your name. Uh-huh. Now, let's see. Does 1,862 sound like a good number to you? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, excuse me. I've got another customer. I wrote down the number with my name. Then I took a look at the others behind the booth counter. No one seemed very interested in me, and then... Are you all finished? Oh, yes, thanks. Do you take the slip now? That's right, and thank you. Oh, don't mention it. Oh, by the way, when do we find out the lucky number? Oh, in about half an hour. <laughs> okay, I can hardly wait. I waited another half hour, and during that time, I paid $27.50 for a nickel fan, a nickel ice cream cone, and a three-cent brass ring I won at the fish pond. Then... Attention, everyone. 
everyone. Attention, please. We wish to announce the winner of the bean guessing contest. The winner is uh, Mr. Dan Holliday. Mr. Dan Holliday. Will Mr. Holliday please come to booth five and pick up his prize? Thank you. Well, I went and picked up my prize. Whatever I had won, it was big and heavy, all neatly done up in fancy paper and big ribbons. So I'd come to a charity bazaar to win a prize for guessing the number of beans in a jar. <laughs> a great adventure. Anyway, I took my prize package to my office instead of home. Oh, Mr. Holliday. See, you're back early. Uh-huh. Thought I'd drop in here on the way home. What have you got there? Mm, I don't know, but I want it. How? I guess there were 1,862 beans in a jar. Oh, that's mm. a funny number to guess. I'll ride with you on that one. Well, let's see what I've got. Okay. Mm, gee, it's heavy. Mm-hmm. What's that? It's a lamp. No self-respecting lamp ever looked like that. <laughs> it's horrible, but cute. So for this, I spent $32.25, all expenses included. The shade's kind of pretty. If you like oddities, yes. Hmm. It's not bad. Oh? Well, it's yours. Mine? Uh-huh. I don't want it. But maybe you were supposed to win it. Susie, I spent a dull afternoon and I came back with that. <laughs> Somebody's ribbing me. Oh, I bet that's it. If I know whom to suspect, I'd send that lamp to him. Did you mean it when you said I could have it? Yes, I did. Susie, with my compliments, the ugliest lamp in the world. Now... I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, help me put it back in the box, will you? Uh, that'll take a half hour. Take it home like that. Well, I don't know about walking along the street with it. Oh, I see what you mean. But it's your problem. Oh, uh, throw the box away outside, will you, Mr. Holliday? It's, it's too big for the wastebasket, and there's a trash barrel right down the street. Oh, sure. I'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye. You know, it's not bad once you get used to it. Yeah, well, that takes a while. So out I walked with the box under my arm. I threw the box in the back seat of my car, intending to get rid of it later, but I forgot and drove home with it. In fact, I carried it inside my apartment building, and when I reached my floor, threw the box down the incinerator chute in the hallway, and I wished now the lamp had been in it. It was midnight before I decided to get some sleep, and I was just dozing off when... Who's that? Special delivery letter for you, Mr. Holliday. Oh, okay, just a second. Sorry to get you up, Mr. Holliday. Oh, that's all right. Here's your letter. Sign here, please. Yeah, sure. Oh, sorry. I dropped the pencil. Here it is. I'll get it. Roll inside. Go back to sleep, <coughs> Mr. Holliday. I woke up with the night clerk bending over me. You all right, Mr. Holliday? Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, I don't know. I was checking a room and came by and saw you lying here in your doorway. You're sure you're all right? Do you want a doctor, sir? Uh, no, no thanks. Here, I'll help you out. Dizzy? Mm. I've been steadier on my feet before. I... Hey, somebody went through your apartment. Yeah, from the looks of it with a steam shovel. Burglars? Yeah. I'm going to call the police. No, wait, wait a minute. Close the door. But, but the police, Mr. Holliday... Well, let's see if anything's missing. Yes, sir. Uh, well, there's your money. And, and your watch over on the night table next to the bed. Mm-hmm. And that's all that's worth stealing in here. Well, that's funny. Is it? Sure. 
You sure there's nothing missing, Mr. Holliday? No, not a thing. Well, gee, I... Look, it's all right of you. Better get back downstairs. I'll call the police later. Sure. But maybe you'll find something missing after a while. Maybe. Thanks, I'll see you later. Susie, this is Holiday. At this hour? What time is it? Almost one. Oh, oh, am I supposed to be at the office? Did I oversleep? Oh, but it's still dark outside. Just listen, Susie. Have you got that lamp? Lamp? Lamp. The one I gave you. Oh, sure. I've got it. Do you miss it? Look, lock your door. Don't let anybody in until I get there. You're coming here? Right away. Oh, but, but I'm not dressed. You'll have 20 minutes to fix that. But remember what I said. Let no one in but me. Susie, your guess is as good as mine. And mine's wild. But it looks good. Did anyone see you take it out of the office? No, I don't think so. Uh, and they thought I had it because I carried the empty box home. What's all the fuss about that lamp? I don't know. I... I wonder. What do you wonder? Have you got a screwdriver? Screwdriver? A uh, screwdriver and knife. Anything we can use to take that lamp apart. Oh, sure. Take it apart? Uh-huh. I think I've got a screwdriver someplace. I, I remember using one to fix my wristwatch. Oh, good. Let's have it. Is this one? Mm, that's good enough. Now, let's turn off the lamp and disconnect it. Gee, I don't understand all this, but it's fun. There's a knot on my head that says you're wrong. Well, Susie watched. I took that lamp apart piece by piece, bit by bit. I even examined the shade, but... It, it's just a lamp, Mr. Holliday. Yeah. Nothing inside the base, nothing in the sockets, nothing in the body. Nothing, period. Did you expect to find something? I was sent to that bazaar to get this lamp. I did. You ended up with it. But somebody thought so much of it that my head was tapped. Now, why? Maybe. Gee, maybe... Maybe... Maybe what, Susie? Maybe it's the lamp itself they wanted. Susie, maybe you've got something there. But why? What's there about this lamp? I don't know. Look, the Mannerings are wealthy. Now, it stands to reason they've got a lot of valuable objects in their home. And the lamp could be worth a lot of money. We'll find out tomorrow. You're going to leave it here? I have to, Susie. Meanwhile, don't let anyone in. Tomorrow, we'll see what's so wonderful about this lamp. Susie kept the lamp. I went home and thought about it. The more I did, the less I did. Then the next morning, I picked up the lamp from Susie, took it to a dealer. Yes, sir. Can I help you, sir? Maybe. This, uh, this lamp. I want your opinion on it. Mm. Why? What's it worth? How much would you give for it? Mm, well, if I were in a good humor, two dollars. Two? Mm. Two and a quarter. But I'd have to be hysterical. You're sure? <laughs> Positive. Uh, how much did you pay for it? Uh, nothing. Yeah, that's fair enough. Please, take another look at it. <clears throat> Must I? As a favor. Uh, all right. Well, I'd say it was the product of a factory that turns out about two million a year. It's nothing but plaster Paris and cheap common glaze. Uh, the brass base and standard well, bring about 50 cents. 
Wiring's fairly good. And well, that's enough. You've convinced me. <laughs> I hope you didn't think it was an antique, sir. No, just a lamp. Exactly. Uh, do you want to sell it? No. No, thank you. Thanks for your trouble. Well, no trouble at all. Uh, come in again, sir. Uh, without the lamp. <laughs> I was about to leave the store when I saw someone across the street. And if my eyes were good, and they are, it was the fake who got me up at midnight only to put me back to sleep. He had followed me, and he was watching the store. He couldn't see me, so I turned back to the dealer. Yes, sir. Something else, sir? Do you want to buy this lamp? <clears throat> why? I want to get rid of it. That's an admirable ambition, but uh, why to me? It's yours at any price you want to pay. When I said two dollars, that was a guess, you know. <laughs> In fact, I, I don't want the lamp. Oh, would you take it if I gave it to you? I beg your pardon? The lamp is yours. I don't want it. Well, this is very peculiar. Look, you pay me what you want. But take the lamp, huh? A dollar and a half. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I do these things. Uh, neither do I. Well, there's your money. Mm, thanks. And good luck. Yeah, with that lamp, I'll need it. I can use the wire in the sockets, though. I left the store. I paid no attention to the man who loitered across the street. I walked to my car, got in, and drove up the street and around the corner. Then I got out. I peeked around the corner and saw my man go into the shop. A minute later, he came out with the lamp, got in his car, and drove away. I hurried back to the shop. Good morning, sir. Oh, you again. The lamp. Yeah, what about it? You sold it. Yes. Hey, don't tell me you want it back. Did you know the man who bought it? <laughs> Mister, anyone who buys a lamp like that, I don't ask questions. It's his. For how much? Ten dollars. Oh, that was a quick profit. Oh, I didn't set the price. He came in, looked around, saw the lamp, said ten dollars for it. <laughs> I recovered my sanity and sold it to him. <laughs> and no questions asked? None. Why? Mister, you don't know it, but there are a million questions that could be asked, and I don't know one answer. Yet. And now back to Dan and the Wonderful Lamp, another Box 13 adventure starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. So there it was. A lamp worth $2, a hit over the head, and a big, big puzzle. That same afternoon, I bought all the papers, took them to the office, and looked through them to see if there was a report of anything stolen from the mattering place. <laughs> Nothing. I left the office and was on my way down the street when... Uh, hello, Mr. Holliday. Huh? Uh -uh. Right on walking, Mr. Holliday. Oh. Got another special delivery letter for me? An even better one this time. It all depends on you. From the song of the same name. I'm not amused... Let's go for a ride, huh? On a nice day like this? Let's walk. Save your energy. You'll need it. I see what you mean. Nice gun you got there. Yeah, nice car, too. It's right down the street. How handy. Yeah. You got the lamp, I take me, too. Because you go with it. Hmm? Going to wire me for electricity? That could be. All right, get in. Okay, Max. You know where to go. Well, Max is smarter than I am at the moment. Uh-huh, but you'll get smarter. But I've got a hunch you'll get much smarter before I've finished. All right, Mr. Holliday, sit down. Oh, thanks. Nice room. Could use a little furniture. This far out in the country? Yeah, we don't need it. Besides, Max needs room uh, to move around, understand? I'm looking at Max? Yes. 
He is big and rough. Doesn't he speak? I do the talking and I'll start now. Holiday, you're smart, but you're not smart enough. Now, where is it? Where's what? Don't stall. I don't know what you're talking about. You picked up the lamp at the bazaar. At your invitation. That's huh? right. How did you know the number of beans that would be in that jar? That doesn't matter. What does matter is I want to know what you did with it. The lamp? Not the lamp. Then I don't know what you're talking about. One more chance, Holiday. Where is it? I said I don't know what you're talking about. Look, uh, you want a cut in it? Uh, cut? In what? The diamond. Holiday, you hear me? I don't know anything about it. Where did you take that lamp last night? It wasn't in your apartment. Where'd you take it? Go ahead, Max. Max came toward me. He got bigger and bigger as he did. He moved slowly, and while he did, I had to think. If I told that Susie had the lamp, they'd go to her, and I didn't like to think about that. Poor little Susie wouldn't know what they were talking about. And it seemed that things happened to people who didn't know what was what. I had to keep quiet. Max got to me and... Well, how you feeling? Oh. Better? Had an accident, eh? Where am I? I guess that's what everyone says in a case like this. Found you lying in the road here, mister. Had a pretty bad accident from the look of you. I don't like to think about that. Can you get me back to the city? Hospitals be better. Never mind, I can still breathe, I think. I want to get back into the city. Yes, I can take you. Good, I want to go to the Arthur Mannering Estate. And quick. The farmer drove me into the city and to the Mannering Estate. I had a hard time convincing the butler I had to see Mannering, but finally... This is a fantastic story, Mr. Holliday. Yes, I'll agree, but the man who had me beaten said something about your diamond. Yes, the Mannering Blue. Where is it? Here, in the house. You're sure? Of course. Would you like to convince yourself? I'd like nothing better. Very well. But um, how about you? Don't you think we'd better see about your condition? It'll keep, I hope. Now the diamond. Very well, this way. Uh, it's impossible that anyone could have taken it. There were a lot of people here yesterday. <laughs> and an army of detectives, Mr. Holliday. No, I repeat, it would have been impossible for anyone to take the mannering blue from this safe. You're sure? Eh? Just a second, you can look for yourself. Hmm. That's it, huh? That's the mannering blue, sir. And this is the only time. That's right, Mr. Holliday. And I give up. It's very curious, sir. This business of your guessing the exact number of beans in that jar and then... Wait a minute. Who knew the number of beans that would be in that jar? <laughs> Why, the one who put them in, obviously. A girl? Attractive, about 23 or 4? Well, I don't know about that, but... Wait a moment. You're not suspecting Carol Marshall, are you? Was she the one in the booth? Yes, but I, I'm sure she didn't know. Why, as a matter of fact, she took the place of my secretary at the last moment. Secretary? Where is she? Uh, he. Uh, why, well, yesterday morning he asked to be excused. The bean-guessing contest was his idea. And the secretary? Big, tall, yes. low, quiet voice? Yes, yes, that's scary. But the diamond's here. Is it? Well, of course. Maybe, maybe it's not the mannering blue. Substitute? Why not? 
Your secretary who gets himself excused yesterday morning. Hasn't shown up yet. No. Here's a paste diamond made up. But the problem is to get the real one out of here. He bided his time. The bazaar yesterday was a perfect setup. The real Mannering Blue is hidden in that lamp I won as a prize. You see, he and his confederates didn't want to take any chances. Your secretary didn't want to take the diamond off the estate himself. A million things could go wrong. But, uh, but the real diamond, it wasn't in that lamp, you say? It had to be, but where I... I took it apart, I... Eh? What were you about to say? Look, you get in touch with the police. Here's my card. Keep in touch with me, too. Yeah, but Mr. Holliday, I... I've got work to do. Think hard. You brought the lamp home here. Yes. What did you do then? I put it on the table where you saw it. Did anything fall out of it? No, Mr. Holliday. Think, Susie. Think. The diamond had to be in that lamp. You took it apart, Mr. Holliday. There wasn't anything in it. But there had to be. Or I wouldn't have taken the beating I did. Now, think, Susie. Think. Gee, I I am. I brought it home, put it on the table, connected it, and turned it on. And that's all? Sure. I remember because one of the bulbs wouldn't burn. One of the bulbs? Yes. I changed it because it was burned out. What did you do with the bulb? Threw it away. Why? Susie, ten to one, the diamond was in that bulb. But how could anyone get a diamond in a bulb? Don't you see? Take off the screw base. Take out the filament. Cement a diamond inside. Susie, Susie, where did you throw that bulb? Oh, in the wastebasket. Right there. But, But it's empty. Sure. The cleaning woman always empties it in the morning. Where does she empty it? The trash barrel's downstairs, I guess. Holy mackerel, a $50,000 diamond and a trash barrel. Come on. You say you emptied the stuff in the barrels? That's right. All the stuff I empty in them barrels. And then what happens? Well, the stuff's taken away. They uh, come and got it this morning. Okay, Susie. I've got to trace the rubbish truck to the city dump. You stay here in the office. If the police call, tell them where I am. And tell them to hurry, because I've got a hunch I'll be followed. Well, it was like looking for a needle in a haystack. Except this was a diamond in a trash pile. And at the city dump. It ain't going to be easy, mister. But the trucks that come in this morning dumped over there. Everything in the truck is dumped here, huh? Yeah. You're lucky we ain't started burning yet. Come on over here. This way you figure it might be? It's got to be. Morning trucks here, afternoon trucks over the other side. I'm looking for a light globe, a bulb. Will you help me? Sure. What are you looking for the bulb for? Well, you won't believe this, but it's worth $50,000. Are you... 50? What are we waiting for? Here's a bulb. Break it. Nothing but a bulb. Wait a minute. Here's another one. Nothing. Uh, Come on, let's look for some more. We plowed through everything in that pile of rubbish. Knee-deep in trash, we dug and dug. Until a half hour and a hundred light bulbs later. Hey, look. Here's another one. Let me have it. Thanks. Holy mackerel, look at that. Yeah, I see what you mean. Now, let's get out of here. Hold it, Holiday! Come on, fast. Hey, 
Gangs are shooting at us. That's a general idea. Where can we get undercover? And there's an old dump truck there. It's your come on, come on, let's go. Duck down here. The metal sides of the truck will protect us. Phew. Hey, mister, I thought this was a quiet job when I took it. Out of there, come out of there. No dice. The police will be here in a minute. And you've got less time to live than you thought. He's coming this way. Hey, you got a gun? No, I never touch a thing. Stick it down. Holiday, one more chance. Throw that diamond out. Hey, Them's police sirens. Throw it out, Holiday. We're gonna hold out as long as you can. Longer. Well, I guess that does it. Scratch one secretary with a little too much ambition. in it, too, wasn't I, Mr. Holiday? <laughs> Susie, you don't know how close it was. <laughs> Something funny. <laughs> I just thought of a gag. All right. I'll sit through it. Go ahead. Well, uh, remember the story about Aladdin and the wonderful lamp and the Jimmy? Jimmy? Well, what about it? All he had to do was to rub it to get out of trouble. But you couldn't. Yes? Where's the gag? Well, you couldn't. And that's the rub. <laughs> Don't you get it? I got it, but I don't know what to do with it. Good night, Susie. Next week, same time, through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd stars as Dan Holliday in Box 13. Box 13 is directed by Richard Sandville, with this week's adventure written by Theodore Henling. Original music is composed and conducted by Rudy Schrager. The part of Susie is played by Sylvia Picker, and production is supervised by Vern Carstensen. Box 13 is a Mayfair production from Hollywood. Watch for Alan Ladd in his latest Paramount picture. That's the Relic Radio Show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more from Box 13, Pete Kelly's Blues, the Relic Radio Show, and everything else. Relic Radio at the website, relicradio.com. Visit donate.relicradio.com if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows. Thank you, as always, to those who have. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back again next Tuesday with another episode of the Relic Radio Show.